0: Good evening and welcome to a special early episode of Elite Rugby Banter. Um, We've actually cleared the schedules on a Sunday night to bring you a a special broadcast episode. I think there's been lots of excitement from the various Autumn Nations Cup Tour seasons, Spring Internationals, Autumn Internationals, depending on where you are. There's lots of, they really need to standardize the name on this. But um, as always, joined by by Phil and Andrew, um, there's mixed emotions from a couple of different uh, Second-choice teams across the board. Um, you have got Andrew with a slight smile on his Scottish victory over Fiji, which was looking a bit ten years at one stage. And a very—is it a very sad fill uh, coming from the English defeat to Argentina?
1: Not a very sad fall. Um, you know, the, it's always nice to see underdogs win as well. Uh, so, if I cared more, I guess, about England, then I would feel sadder. But it wasn't to be. So, I think the Springbok loss definitely hurts a
2: bit more.
3: And how much did the Scottish victory offset the Springbok
2: loss in your eyes? Firstly, I think we're going to have to start calling him Phil Silverlinings Hornsby, because that was very measured. (laughs) Um, (laughs) In terms of the Scottish victory, I mean, great to get a victory, and we'll we'll talk talk a little bit about that maybe a bit later after the intros. But um, I mean, it's it's been a flippin' terrible weekend to be a South African sports fan between rugby sevens, rugby internationals, and the cricket getting knocked out of the World Cup. It's not, I'm, I'm not in the best of moods.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not often that you get to Sunday night wishing for Monday to come and a new week to start, but I think this is one of those situations where you know, from Monday you can kind of look forward to the next week of, of fixtures rather than look back from the previous week. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I think, I think before we jump into our usual uh, fair of winners and losers, covering mostly the men's internationals this weekend, so we can do a quick um, covering of the ladies, well, sorry, the ladies, so the Rugby World Cup 2021, which is being played in 2022. Um, Andrew, over to you for that.
2: Yeah, so we're in the semi-finals this weekend. It's all coming to a head next weekend for the finals. Uh, we had England versus Canada. England, of course, heavy. Uh, favourites for the competition coming in with like a 25-match winning streak, which they've only extended through the pool and now the knockouts of the of the World Cup. And true to predictions, they did manage to win over Canada. Um, but I think what most people would not have predicted was the fact that it was a, quite a close-run game. Um, Canada really put in an 80-minute effort. Uh, could have had a chance to win the game, but um, England had managed to hold their own in the last few minutes but it's it's really great to see um, the standard of the women's game at the moment and the fact that there's not just England and New Zealand competing and, and talking of New Zealand they they hosted the other semi-final at, at Eden Park and um, they were run very close by France who who also had a chance to win the game actually a fairly straightforward penalty kick at goal with 30 seconds remaining on the clock and the, the French uh, far off Pulled it to the left, and New Zealand managed to just uh, run it up with the forwards and kill kill off the last few seconds and win the game. So I think from a spectacle point of view and a tournament point of view, it's great that we have the hosts in the final. It's always lends itself to a great atmosphere, and I personally can't get enough of that uh, women's huck. I think it's just incredible. Um, so I'm gonna hopefully, yeah.
0: It would have been classic New Zealand to have lost to the French, though.
2: Oh uh, yeah, no, I mean. That, that would have been true to form, I mean, but I don't, I think the ladies want to stay away from creating a reputation for themselves like the men with that, but the French were, the French were brilliant, eh? I, mean, I don't know if you guys caught the game, but the the standard of rugby being played in the knockout stages now is incredible, I mean, we, we've talked about the gulf between the top teams and, and the sort of up-and-comers like South Africa, like Spain, like Japan, um, even a, a few of the bigger, the bigger teams, I mean, Australia were not their best this tournament, but, yeah, I mean the, the the rugby being played in the semi-finals was really top drawer stuff, really entertaining games, and great that they were close as well. And uh, New Zealand England is going to be a Titanic clash next weekend. England obviously the favourites given their their track record of the last thirty or so games, but New Zealand as the the hosts have a really good shot at this, and they've got a really star team. Um, so I'm I'm hopefully I don't know what time that game is scheduled for over in New Zealand. The time the time difference is always a bit of a a problem, but I'm I'm really keen to watch that game, and um, yeah, it's it's been a great tournament, and it's been great for women's rugby to have this showcase. Um, it's yeah. it's
0: at eight eight thirty in the morning. Yeah, good time. So very it's very much watchable Absolutely. for a South African audience. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think the big the big thing that everyone was or the, the the main takeaway from this weekend's fixture from the World Cup is that England didn't completely walk Canada. Um you know who are still very much on the amateur end of the spectrum, and you know, the fact that it was still a relatively close game um shows that yeah you know, maybe maybe England aren't as unbeatable as people were thinking. Um, it will be interesting to see the new Zealand England game next year, especially given all the history between them from last year's tour
2: yeah, I think we need a we need a big event for the final, we need a sold out stay sold out. It's it sold out already brilliant. And then I think yeah. some, support, some media support leading up to it really make a big spectacle of this final because I think it's going to be a cracking game. And what we really want out of this World Cup doesn't really ma- matter who wins to to the neutral, but we want it to do good for the women's game, right? And I think if we get a, a beautiful spectacle of a game and some high-quality rugby, um, it'll hopefully inspire that, that new generation of,
0: of women's rugby. Yeah, for sure. Did, did ABT uh, make the panel or has that not been announced yet?
2: Uh, I don't think it's been announced yet, um, but she did a really good job in that England-Canada game of what I managed to catch. It, it did start at like four in the morning, but I caught the last uh, 20 minutes or so. Um, and I saw she'd given a yellow card. I didn't see what for, so I can't pick apart a decision um, now. But um, I'm hoping that she gets an appointment, obviously, for the final. it would be great to have a South African there. Um, and then hopefully, uh, regardless of whether she gets appointed or not, whether it's ref or, or AR, um I think shout out Amy, you've done a great job and we'd love to have you on the pod in some, some time in the near future.
0: Yeah, I think getting an insider experience or feedback on just what it's been like being over in New Zealand during uh, the whole tournament will be very, very cool to get uh, beyond obviously just her experience as a ref and views on certain contentious decisions that, that might or might not have happened over the weekend. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. Before we jump super deep into our winners and losers, um, we can touch on the sevens that happened over the weekend. The start of the um, new season, 2023-2022-2023 20, season, did kick off uh, over in Hong Kong. It's the first tournament before we head to the traditional uh, December back-to-back tournaments of Dubai and Cape Town. Um, this was the first competition in charge for the new coach, William uh, Gobo, for South Africa. So. A lot of excitement there. We started pretty well with a 21-0 win over Uruguay, um, which is potentially less than one would expect, but you know, a nil was good. Until we proceeded to then lose to GB and to France. Uh, and somehow, still made it into the quarterfinals just by virtue of points difference, where we proceeded to lose to Fiji. Um, so no, it was not a auspicious start to the new coaching regime. and um, Anyway, it leaves a lot of questions to be answered before, you know, the next couple of uh, tournaments in December. Yeah, what are your guys' feelings about the sevens? I mean, we obviously started last season so well with, you know, 50-odd victories in a row, but the second half of this year, it's just been very stop-start. We had, you know, the one very convincing performance got the Commonwealth, but apart from that, it's really just not been top draw stuff. I mean, losing far too many games that we shouldn't, not making, I don't know if we've made the quarter, the, the semi-finals, let alone finals. Since like March.
1: Yeah, I think I think we need to be prepared to have a bit of a less successful time probably than what we're used to with the sevens, just because of the period of transition that's no doubt gonna happen now with the coaching staff, but also with some of the squad, you know, like um so it will take some time to to reach, you know, the standards I think that we're used to. Hopefully not. Hopefully they'll be able to get right into it. Um, but based on this weekend's results, yeah, we won't be able to just get straight back onto the top of the the table, so to speak. And hopefully the transition won't be as long as, you know, perhaps it could be.
0: It does feel strange, though, because, you know, it's, we still have all the same players. Um, and it's not like uh, the coaches come from outside the system. It's, you know, it's pretty, pretty continuous from a lot of senses. Um, yeah the question I suppose more is do we just need to fundamentally rethink the way we play
3: sevens because we're just not getting success with the current players or strategy? yeah, it's a tough one. uh I think like it, it it's been working for so long that it
1: would feel so weird to have to have a a complete rethink and, like you say the the way that that we are used to as like the Blitzbox playing, Blitzbox playing seven. So I wouldn't like to think that it has to be that drastic, but you know, if we can continue seeing weekends like this one gone past, then perhaps a rethink is necessary.
3: Okay.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully the Cape Town crowd can inspire them to crew at the end of the year. Um, I will certainly be there in, in full dress up, uh, cheering. Um, but yeah, I think we can use that as a as a launching pad into the I suppose the meat of the um, weekend's discussions. Um, winners and losers. Paul, you can kick us off. Who kind of stood out for you as you know people that really put their hands up this weekend?
1: Yeah, so I think um, for me, just from the Wales New Zealand match that uh, that was on obviously before the Springboks, I thought particularly. <laughs> Adi Sevier, it's it's a, a one that I wouldn't always put because I think he's got such a high standard um, that he just whenever he plays, you know, you know he's going to play that well. But I think playing against maybe it's harsh on Wales, but playing against a team like Wales, it's sort of you can sort of see his level elevated that much more. So I think. Um, he had, like, a really, really good game, and he was everywhere, as he always is. But then he also managed to um, pull off one of his ridiculous dummies, which <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you've probably seen them, like, in Super Rugby happen once every couple of weeks, and no one falls for them because they know, oh, it's Oddy. just loves throwing his arms as high as he can. But the Welsh... Watch- <laughs> I think it was Evans, the Welsh prop just bought it completely, and then, <laughs> so uh, it, it looked ridiculous, but it worked, so to be fair to him, that worked, so just on that alone, I'm, I'm calling him a winner, um, and also just quickly to mention Aaron Smith, also in that game, I think so many people, you know, with um, DuPont coming through and having such a good couple of years, forgetting quite how good Aaron Smith is, not just his passing, but also his ability to break, and he scored two great tries this weekend.
0: I was I was going to mention Aaron Smith. I thought he was unbelievable. Um, like yeah, exactly as you say, and if, particularly in the, in the, with the backdrop of DuPont, he just was the class. I mean, that individual try he scored was unplayable. Um, yeah, and so I think it's a very good reminder that you know the the goat of the lot of scrum offs for the last ten years is very much still alive and kicking and not rolling over.
2: Yeah, don't forget that Jordy Barrett also scored two from from twelve. Although I don't think he was playing at, at inside centre when he scored his second try uh, with the kick kick the the cross kick from Moonga. But he, he also had a good game, I thought, and it was an interesting experiment at twelve. I mean I, what do you guys think about does Jordi have a future at twelve for the all blacks? They've struggled with their centers.
0: I mean I think he's a better center than Havili, for sure. I mean i I'm surprised it's taken him this long to play him there, to be honest. Like and I suppose it's just because at fullback he's you know he's such a good fullback as well. But you've got a lot more depth at fullback than you do at 12 and he's just such a good option to play at all because he is a big body you know he's, a, he's basically like a Franz good good kicker good distribution big body and um, can play at crash but also be a bit silky you know um as i said it, it surprised me that they've looked at other options
3: for so long you've had him standing right there I All right. didn't expect that to just. To, to sh- but who 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 got yeah. lost
0: there?
2: Not me. I don't um, know anyone's lost. We, yeah, we, we're just speechless at your wisdom, Ant.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't, I didn't realise that was such a conversation-ending
3: take.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My take on that is pretty much yeah, in agreement. I think the only thing is with uh, Anton Leonard-Brown now playing his first game for the All Blacks uh, in a long time. He came off the bench. That's sort of the only other person who maybe has a shout but even him i quite i think i prefer him as a 13 but rico's been playing there for quite a while now so it will be interesting to see what they do with those three i think Havili's like a level below also in my mind um i would much rather see geordie than Havili at that level but um yeah i think with leonard brown back it will be interesting to see either geordie move out or rico move out i guess he can also move to wing
0: I don't think there's any appetite to move Rico to win. It can seem that they've really bedded him down as a as their 13 option. Um, but, yeah, I think most of the LB is just, it feels like it's been a long time since he's been at his best, uh, even before his injuries and stuff. It, it feels like his, you know, his best days were a while ago. Um, so if he can get back to that form, then he'll definitely put pressure on a on a Geordie Barrett. Um, but at this stage, yeah, doesn't seem super likely. Um, that being s- just on that topic of Barrett's, um, that, what did you, was your guys' opinion of, of Bowden at 15?
3: I, I
1: thought he didn't have his strongest game. Um, he sort of went through the motions, uh, and yeah, he, he did almost what was needed. But when your team wins by 50 points and you're sort of um, not an integral part of that, I think it. I wouldn't. So I wouldn't say he had anywhere near a bad performance, but he didn't exactly put his hand up. Um, but at the same time did what was asked of them.
0: Yeah, but also, again, I suppose, you know, if, if everyone else is putting their hands up, it's sometimes that's the, the, the good role to fill, is just kind of step back and let, um, you know, the other people shine if they're shining. Although he did get charged down for that almost try right at the end um, that Mwanga pulled off yeah. a very brilliant um, try saving tackle and hand skim to prevent the try at the corner. So, you know, can potentially get a mark down for that. Although it feels like there was a lot of charge downs this weekend. It was just me.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously we know Williams's one probably sticks out most in our minds, but uh, yeah, teams are just seemingly not as quick as they should be.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if it's just kickers are taking their time or defenses are just pushing way harder around the rucks to get to the kicker. But I mean, obviously there was the the, the Derns try last week, um, but, but yeah, just it felt like there were a lot of tries downs this weekend. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if that that continues. Um, but yeah, we can we can move on from there. Uh, Andrew, do you have any standouts winners that y- you know you want to touch on?
2: Well, let's let's keep it a, away from the the depressing game for now. We'll get there eventually. But um, Italy had a really impressive win over Samoa. I thought 49 to 17. I mean, Samoa are not a top top tier nation, um, but the way that Italy went about about it was really impressive. I thought they've they've really come a long way, and they're drawing on those those Benetton and Zebra players who who haven't got the results in the URC, but have been playing some really good rugby. Um, but it's actually my, my winner out of that game is a fairly obvious one. If you read the, the write-ups, it's Monti Juane. Um, not a very Italian-sounding name, but we'll look past that and stay away from another eligibility debate. But he, he scored three tries, I think. Um, so he's he's qualified for, for Italy through Benetton. He's now at the Melbourne Rebels, but he was back in the Colours of the Azzurri and he was like unstoppable on the day. But just a reflection of the way Italy played, Paolo Gobisi was silky. Um, Pierre Bruno also got in for a nice try, and, and generally they looked really threatening. And and what looked like an easy fixture for the Springboks on this tour is starting to loom as something I'm thinking a little, little harder about. I don't think we should lose to Italy, but if we played a complete second string side, which I don't think we will, um, there'd be a contest, I reckon, which is a, a little bit scary. <laughs>
0: I suppose we will we'll get an indication of that after Australia played them this weekend, uh, so we can kind of judge yeah. whether that's... It's you know it's it's one of those ones where a team plays a Samoa, um and no disrespect to the Samoa, but you know if, if your defensive systems are one or two percent off, then it can make a team that in the you know just based on recent results the signations or whatever is fairly average, um, can make them suddenly look very good. You know, so it's it's, it's tough to read too much into a result like that, um, I would say. Yeah. That.
1: Yeah. I think there but was yeah. a lot of hope on Samoa, because they won the Pacific Nations Cup, so they beat Fiji, you know, obviously Tonga have also strengthened their squads, so there was a bit more optimism in terms of Samoa's performance this time. Um, they've even got some more recruits, I think. Uh, what's his name? Jeff Tumanga-Allen is the latest um, crossover ex All Black um but yeah they obviously
2: just couldn't match up to to italy's like you know, i can't remember if steven Lewitt too actually got selected but he's also in that simone fold now i think um so i mean they got some good players at their disposal there's like recognizable names it's not no ones or uh, or well, nobody's but uh you know 49 points is a solid solid effort from italy um and then another you know you say you can't read too much into that result well then you had scotland fiji and fiji are Maybe a slight cut above Samoa. I mean, they've had better exposure to Super Rugby over a longer time. Um, they've got some some really top class players in, in their lineup. Um, and Scotland, I mean, 28, 28, 28 12, I don't necessarily have a specific winner out of this. Adam Hastings was pretty good, I guess, given all the, the press about Finn Russell not making the squad and Hastings being the preferred 10. You know, Blake on played last week, but that was only because Hastings was ineligible because of the test window. But 28-12 doesn't really tell the full story of that game. Like Scotland struggled in parts, um, struggled to assert themselves. Fiji played good disruptive rugby, hard-running, physical, creative. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Scotland weren't good enough to put 49 on Fiji, but Italy were to, against Samoa. But, you know, it's nice having this sort of sustained period of internationals, and we can see how the teams really stack up against each other as they sort of swap opponents. But Scotland weren't looking at their best. And I, I had higher hopes for Scotland this international window than I did for Italy. Uh, but I'm also biased. so.
0: <laughs> I think having higher hopes for Scotland is fair than Italy. I mean, they, they should be better than Italy. But yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's, I, I think Fiji is just a team that maybe they, they can turn it on more. They've got a higher standard deviation than, say, a Samoa does, I feel like fiji Fiji can can you know get it wrong very badly, but they can also just get it right and I think you know particularly in those that first half an hour Fiji really seemed fired up i mean some of those hits they were putting in some of their tries were really good yeah um and so yeah I think you know i mean it's as a standard you know it's tough for for those teams to keep it up for the full eighty um just because of lack of squad structure and some of things like that, but you know it was a very uh i think it a, a performance they can build on for sure, um, and you know it definitely would be a good indication that they're a team to be worried about at the World Cup. You know, if you are off your game, they can hurt you and give you a bit of scares. They've proved many times in the past, including yeah. for the
3: Springboks.
2: <laughs> I'm looking at that Scottish performance, um, and even the one last week, and I'm 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 worried for them hosting New Zealand in Edinburgh next week. I think that that could be. If, if current form sort of prevails, um, they could be in for a bit of a spanking.
0: Yeah, I think, especially given the way that New Zealand played, they look back to, to old New Zealand, um, which is a worrying thing for the world. I mean, particularly against a Wales side that's known for being very stingy with giving away points. Uh, if New Zealand could be that comprehensive at, at breaking down that Welsh side. Uh, I think Scotland can be very worried for next week.
1: I'm uh, like I'm not optimistic, too optimistic about Scotland's chances, but I would just say that like this All Blacks team, we know it's like in terms of at least uh, like the physical side of things, they're one of the weakest we've seen in a while but they were completely on top of this Wales team in that sense, in a physical sense. Like it was really the forwards which just dominated so much for New Zealand. So I think this, that Scotland won't quite be as outmatched, and I like to hope so. Um,
0: you, you reckon Wales have a stronger forward pack than, sorry, Scotland um, have a stronger, more abrasive forward pack in Wales?
1: Just based on this last week, I mean, maybe before. I I think this was part of why I was just so I was disappointed in Wales, despite having not very high expectations. They just got absolutely like murdered by the All Blacks, and we know, like I said, we know this particular All Blacks forward pack, especially, is just not that strong. But they made, yeah, they made easy work of the Wales forward pack. So we'll see if Scotland
2: can front up, and I, I like to think that they can. Did, were we yeah. were we as a panel happier sorry, Ant, I'm interrupting you. Were, were, but, we happy, were we were we happy with the balance of that back three from New Zealand, having Papa Lee come in playing I know Phil, you're not the, the biggest fan of Artie at eight, but you did pick him as a winner and they're yeah. having an abrasive an abrasive blind like Frizzell, Are they are they getting closer? I mean they've been forced by a cane injury again, but that was a lot closer to the, what I would be picking if I was head coach right now
1: yeah i think papa Lee impressed me a lot uh he's also not my favorite player because i think he's also one of these sort of um good at everything not really great at it like he doesn't specialize so even though he was playing the sort of open side role um yeah he was doing everything but i think it w- i i don't know if it's just kane not being there sort of helps so much with the balance, like almost whoever else they put, it's gonna be more balanced. And maybe that's a bit harsh on Kane, but it really does seem so. But I think, yeah, with Frizzel and um Papa Lee joining Audi, it was it felt more balanced.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, you've got Audi filling the you know, carrying number eight role, and you've got Severe and Frizzel putting carrying doing the you know, work and then Papali doing the you know, the roving loose forward role that you know kind of see it can fall where sometimes you're attacking the ground, sometimes you're a wide runner. Yeah. Um and yeah, I think yeah. that that works.
2: You you're always on about who's gonna hit the rucks and did did Frizzell hit the rucks enough for you?
0: I didn't actually manage to catch the game unfortunately, so can't comment <laughs> on that. Um but I mean the is definitely known for hitting certain things. So I'm I'm sure you would excel at that as well. Yes.
2: <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> um, I,
1: I, just finishing up on the New Zealand game, so yeah, Cody Taylor also scored two tries and I think he was also quite the ruck hitter um, this weekend. So especially just because I think last week I said I'd rather start Takeo, Um and Takeahoe came off the bench and scored a try and had That's quite a good to get this week. So it's a tough one. I think Cody Taylor really needed to up his game and he's looked to do so this week. So we'll see if he can continue throughout the, the rest of the series.
0: My, my feeling is that I think they know is their first choice and now it's about trying to just you know, make sure that the other players are ready. You know? just, I think I would have read that more as a rotation than as a... Oh, Cody, here's a chance for you to get your spot back. Um, that I mean, that's just my my interpretation, but you know, I think Taka Takiya has just been such
3: a dominant force this year that you you know you can't look past him at this point. Sure. And especially um, with Cody being a bit off form, I think. Yeah. No. I mean, Cody's
2: yeah, he was very good. Can Can I go on to another winner and take us away to a different fixture?
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I Never yeah.
2: mind I'm not talking about Wales. Yeah, I mean the less we talk about Wales, the better I think. <laughs> just to make Ben happy, make sure he keeps listening. How's Ben? <laughs> um, yeah, another, another winner, and mainly I didn't. I don't know if it was a sustained performance, but the the one finish in the corner by Damien Peno uh, was just sublime. I mean Australia oh. scored. He scored. Australia scored the worldy hundred meter. Phenom of try, but I'm gonna. That was a team try, and we're picking individual winners and losers. So Damien Peno from France gets gets my pick for that game. Like that, that little shimmy to get rid of Tom Wright, and then the handle on Young Jock Campbell, um, and then the speed to finish it off in the corner. That I love watching Damien Peno play.
0: Like he's, he's an he's unbelievable a, player. He's so, so good. good. I mean, that, that, I, I, okay. Yeah. Okay.
3: No, that try,
2: that, that's, that try was instrumental in, in France actually getting the win. I mean, it was a tight, tight game, and if he hadn't had that little piece of individual brilliance, no way. That, France
3: that, was, that was the
0: game winner, yeah. yeah. But isn't it, and,
1: like, and he had a lot to do. Like when he got the ball, you know, it's him. Like you're saying, he's, he's such a good player. But even with that, there was so much. To, he was far out. He had two defenders to beat. Um, yeah, uh, like Tom Wright didn't look good either, but to get handed off like that for jock campbell especially because he had been playing so well in the rest of the match it just felt really bad and then i think in the his interview afterwards he sort of put his hand up to apologize and took responsibility for it so it's always a tough one because it's like you know one individual defending mistake is hard to criticize so harshly but um
0: but essentially that moment cost him the game so you know you, you kind of exactly. can but, but weirdly i've still got um Pen, uh, campbell as one of my winners for the week I mean, I think we've. Yeah. I've certainly been wondering why he hasn't been given a shot for so long uh, this year, after you know being a, a fairly good Super Rugby standout for a, for a while now. Um, obviously got his chance off the bench last week and starting now. Um, and I think it's with Tom Banks overseas and having had two relatively different performances, it's going to be difficult to see them were using a ghetto spot on him. I
3: think after, after this performance from Jock.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, Tom Banks. Talking of him, he, he played for Australia A this past weekend, I think, didn't he? So, not terrible to have uh, a bit of a selection headache now at 15. Australia been lacking. They played Tom Wright there a bit. I'm not the biggest fan of Tom Wright at fullback. I think he's a, he's a decent wing, and he did really well to get the pace on the outside for that worldy try we were talking about. Um, uh, kudos to him there, but uh, Tom Banks is... When he's at his best i think he's a step above what australia have had until jock campbell so nice nice for them to have some some difficulty at 15 i think reese hodge Hodge, kind of like jesse krill i mean we can use this as a segue if we want to but he feels like a player who everyone's sort of yeah okay it's he's in the squad like he's a low risk player he can fill the role but but everyone's wanting to know like who's coming next like who's going to be the 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 player that owns that position. They're never really given the opportunity to to own that position themselves. And I feel like Reece Hodge at 15 sort of fills that role, but it's only in the absence of Tom Banks or or now potentially Jock Campbell. I think uh, Reece Reece will get a a much reduced time at at fullback and and maybe some more time with a number 23 on his back going forward.
0: Well, I I don't think you can say that Reece or, by extension, Jesse haven't had a chance to nail down there Jerseys, I mean, they both had a numerous number of starts, and I think it's exactly as you say, they're, they're players when you're like, okay, fair enough, but you know that they're not the long term answer. Um, and that's why you're kind of always looking for the next guy. So, you know, they you can stick them in and they'll, and they'll do a job and they won't let you down necessarily, but you know, you kind of would like more from a player than just not letting you down, I, I, I would think.
1: Yeah, and I think, well, like you said, Andrew, we'll take that through and s- perhaps start sp- speaking about the Springbok Island game. I mean, I would go as far to say that Jesse Krill was, if not one of the best Springboks on the field this last weekend. Um, it's always a tricky one for me when the Springboks are playing so, I don't know how I what word I want to use to describe it, like functionally in the way that they try. So it's almost... Um, the only attack that they're using is one-off runners or, you know, hitting it through the forwards. Or There's such little variation, especially in the back line, and especially without Billy there, that someone like Jesse Creel, and more often than not, when Am is playing too, like, he doesn't receive the ball from, obviously, the fly half or the center. He sort of does his magic when he gets it in loose play. Um, so for Creel, I think defensively he was as good as you could expect this weekend and he um he had one really good pickup on on attack so he didn't do too much i think in in an attacking sense but um just i don't
0: think anyone did to be fair (laughs) And,
1: and i think that's the thing it's so hard to to sort of pick out anyone who had a good game in terms of that sort of attacking part of the Springboks game so yeah i would put jesse Krill as one of the winners for sure
0: yeah I think that's fair. I think he a lot of people noted that his defense was really good. I mean he was shooting up the line well um and yeah picking picking good marks and uh, picking good marks to hit and i think I mean that uh, needs to get credit for that as well. He also had some really good reads.
3: and oh, I think yeah. you know, the
0: fact that, that on you know, I mean we limited the number one team in the world to less than twenty points at home like I think we can take a lot of credit from our defense in that game um yeah. That we, we did. This was a team that put you know 50 points on the All Blacks twice um, in New Zealand. And so the fact that we didn't let them do that to us is a really good sign. That half of our game plans in a really good space. Um, the downside is you know the perpetual one that we're very aware of is that our attack just doesn't fire. And I think it's exactly what Phil says. Is it's just I don't know if it's just yeah we we don't seem to try enough until we have our back against the wall in the last minute and we really need to score and then you know we suddenly start taking quick taps and we're making 30 meters at a break um yeah it, it's it's weird because it, we know we have that ability to do it I and mean, all, all of our ufc teams are doing it and the, the Springboks have done it um again when we need to this, but it just, I mean, it's,
2: it's like it just felt like deja vu at times because the Springboks. Dominated so incredibly well. Like that first half, especially, was just pressure, 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 and just not making it count. Like, as a Springbok fan, you were so happy. Like we were six six at the break, I think, but you were so happy with that performance. You were like, "Oh, we are just totally on top of these guys. Like we are absolutely dominating them. Half their team's off injured because they can't like keep up with us. I mean, Ty, Ty Furlong's a big loss for them, but I think Diago is a bigger loss for us." Um, and there's like you said there's nothing wrong with our defense it's just we're not making it count and part of that is like attack a game plan and damien mixed reviews as a fly half still was was far from his best game uh, from sort of attacking play but also taking your opportunities and, and making your kicks between him and cheslin they missed four kicks um johnny missed two so you know on the balance of that if everyone had kicked 100 percent we would have won the game um, and this is Test Rugby against the number one side in the world. You have to slot your kicks. And that's where someone like Andre Pollard is going to win you games or Mornay Like They're not flash players, but when when the BMT is needed, like they will slot your goals and you can back them 100%. Uh, we just don't have that at the moment. And I, I don't really know what the answer is there.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you with that sense of déjà vu. Um, I can't remember which test it was uh, earlier in the year where we discussed how frustrating the loss was because we were on top in that physical sense, you know. And Ireland are probably going to be one of the most uh, physical, you know, counterparts or opposition teams that we play in the World Cup or, you know, any time next year. So being able to get on top is really optimistic and it's really, you know, good to see going forward. But then it's so frustrating not being able to turn that like domination in the physical sense into not just points, but like a better performance. Normally, when you're on the front foot that much, like you don't really have to do any fancy, you know, fancy backline moves. You're able to just break through the defense because they're on the back foot so much. But that's not happening. So it's, I, I, there's a tiny part of me which still feels like the Springboks are holding something back and like they're not showing everything and there's you know some surprises maybe for a world cup year we're gonna see but i'm not so sure (laughs) that's like yeah the most optimistic side of me
0: yeah i mean i i've been on that same thought pattern for a while um thinking that Springboks can and deliberately are holding things back a lot of the time i don't know for how much longer i'm going to keep thinking that <laughs> um because yeah, we just never seeing it. Uh, it's it's been a while now since we've really seen our attack click. And you know, one would have thought that yeah, getting Colby back was maybe that was the special piece we were loot missing. You know, I mean Willems has been good at ten uh um, throughout the rest of the year, but yeah, none of that really came through for us. So it is concerning. Um I think that's yeah, maybe maybe a wider point of, of losers is Willemsa just really did not have a good game. I mean, his goal kicking wasn't good and you know, his goal kicking cost us a game. Um, and I think that, you know, we need to give some, some of that blame to the coaches because how are you selecting going into a match without a fly-off and without a recognized goal kicker? Um, but I think in general, Willemster just seemed to lack some of the authority that he's shown in the previous games at 10.
2: I think um I know Phil, you're a big Billy Larue fan. And when when he came on, I mean you were saying in, in the WhatsApp group, like, isn't it time that we bring Billy on? We need tries. And and that's what Vili can bring to the side. Like he, he does have downsides and sometimes he goes AWOL and sometimes he makes mistakes. But in terms of creativity and just actually getting guys going, um he's just unmatched at the moment for the Springboks. And when he I
0: don't think unmatched, so, I would say quaca and uh, John Fareed <laughs> did a pretty good job of sparking attack and being pretty instrumental if, yeah,
3: um, that's
0: they both really played well off the bench they had huge impacts
2: yeah I know they did, yeah, yeah, credit to them for sure, Um but Vili came on I mean the ref actually told him to stop shouting and watch his language because he was just so pumped up and like getting Oaks behind him and getting some energy going and he was really like taking the reins with the distribution, playing off off, um, off the scrum off all the time, like he took, totally took over that 10 mm-hmm. channel in the distribution and was just making things happen and trying and that's what but between him often. and
0: Ox, I feel like Ox also took that role on a yeah. couple of times. Ox was <laughs> i between playing scrum off or, or 10 <laughs> half the time in the
3: last 10 minutes.
2: Yeah, it's a pity pretty like, pass to to Willemse to put, I think it was kirtley so on the wing away, was just, he, he had some cake crumbs on his fingers or something and it went a little bit high. But um, yeah, no, Ox 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 Quache and Dion Ferry from the bench were, were really, really good. And Franco Mostert as well came on early because obviously there's an injury to Luit, which doesn't look good for us. Um, but he, he also had a solid game. I mean, he didn't have the chance to inject himself as much as the other bomb squad members, but also a nice try. I mean, he placed the ball without even knowing like where he was looking which is pretty impressive, um, and that's why I think he didn't even know he'd scored a try. But yeah, he he also, he's one of those players that will give us absolutely everything for the Springboks, week in, week out, and you can just count on him. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Diaga going out, do you guys see Salman Murat coming in, or um, potentially Jason Jenkins as a more sort of like-for-like? Like what's your preferred solution there?
0: I think uh, it would have to be Ori, because he's the other five in the squad, which is Not ideal. Um, I I don't know. I think I feel like a a jenkins ed combo is just a bit too samey, although I would love it against the French. Maybe that's a good option to go with. Mm. Um, Although the the French played with a very light team this week because with Paul out and and a couple other guys, I mean, I was astounded that our pack was 150 kilos according to the on-screen visuals. I mean, I haven't seen a Spring Rock pack that size, I don't think, ever. I mean, that's that's unnecessarily big.
1: Wait, what do you what are you saying? It was sorry, I don't
0: know nine nine fifty. 950.
1: Oh, 950. That is massive. Yeah, Cheap yeah. It's... Like
0: normally we top out at like eight. Sorry, nine twenty, nine fifteen.
3: Yeah. So like...
0: I, don't, I don't know if, if I mean I don't know the, the footage of Herb and Kitsch They both look like they've had a couple of <laughs>
3: they've, had, they've
0: had some some steak in the last month or two. But yeah, anyway, they were they were looking large. But I mean, just while we're on the topic of the Springboks, where do we kind of go to from here? I mean. Do, you know, I mean, I know the France weren't as convincing as maybe we'd have expected against Australia. Obviously, you know, it did get the win at the end, but not not by much. Um, how confident are we feeling about the rest of the tour? I mean, we've got England, France, and Italy. Where does this kind of place us?
1: I I think starting the tour with two losses would be really uh, bad for not just you know how it looks but even in terms of team morale and everything um so i think you've got to go all out for the win i think they have to make changes i was very disappointed in colby at 15 not so much like him as a player obviously we know what he's got but like more of what we were saying his potential creative um spark that he might have from the back or or which we didn't see i guess um and just his yeah the way that he could uh you know, have a bit more influence from fullback rather than from wing. So I think I wouldn't want to see Colby start at fifteen again. Um and the big one I think is number 10. What happens? Do we give Willemser another shot or put Libboch straight in? I I don't I can't see them pushing Libbock straight into the lineup despite what happened this weekend. So um prediction wise I think we'll see Willemser start at 10 again with Willi at the back. And I think that should improve things a little, but it doesn't solve the, the issue with kicking for goal, which is obviously quite a big thing.
3: Well, what I don't understand is why isn't Jaden kicking for goal? I mean, he's like a really good goal kicker.
0: <laughs> I mean, when he was kicking for the 20s, I mean, he was kicking at like 90%. So I feel it's very strange that he's like third on the list.
1: Yeah, that's a very well, good point. I mean, seeing that Colby isn't you know like doesn't kick that much and i i was also a little bit disappointed how quickly they moved away from Vilimsa. um you know they went look, look, to be fair that first kick was about 45
0: meters wide
1: yes <laughs> it, it looked like he was going for the corner yeah rather than for the post so that that's fair but still just like that yeah
0: i maybe because
1: especially called, with it's better
0: yeah, I mean that's the thing is they, they switched over for a kick in front of the poles. Uh, Col- Colby, so it, it was yeah. which he still then almost you know it was a very weird time like because if you know if that's that's surely the gimme you give that one to Villanueva. Yeah, and Belkham. Um, yeah, so it was all I think the whole kicking situation has been managed very poorly by the coaching staff, and I think you know they, they need to take the flak for that, um, because yeah that's that's not really good enough um you know we all know matches are one on five more fine margin when you're going to go play the best team in the world at home you don't rock you know don't take a
3: gamble on your kicking um just seems very strange so yeah i mean i think given the english um which yeah, we are we can probably use this as a leapfrog there
0: to chat about the english team but given the um the french and english performances maybe this tour isn't going to go as badly as one would have expected you know they definitely look like they are beatable um so you know if we and if we come home three from four with a win that's you know if, if it had been rexed appropriately would have been even um you know, both of those tries came from knock-ons and i don't think it, there's no argument about that it just is um i still think we should have done enough to win but you know if any either of those are blown properly we get the win. So, I think if we come back with three out of four on against that backdrop, they probably would be quite happy with it as a tour. What do you think?
3: Yeah,
2: three from four would be great um, given the start. And I also think just on the refing there, if if um, Kitzorfin and Malherba were visibly frustrated with the ref, with the scrum refereeing as well. I mean, South Africa looked completely dominant at times, and they were popping up Finley Bielam left, right, and centre after he'd come on for Ty Furlong. And yeah, I felt like a few of those calls could have gone our way as well. So you you never want to say this is completely the ref's fault. It was still something that Africa could have won and we butchered what we had in front of us. So but yeah, uh, taking three out of four with with England and France coming up, um, that's a tough ask. I think if we were gonna if we were going to pick games to win, I think I would have expected us to beat Ireland before we'd beat France, and then England sort of maybe the the easiest of the three, but easy in inverted commas. Um, they didn't look brilliant. England didn't look brilliant. They haven't felt that settled for a while, um, to be honest. And and in greasy conditions, I thought Argentina did bloody bloody well. And um, we haven't we haven't talked about that game yet, but um, guys like Thomas Gajo and um, that Juan Martín Gonzalez and Pablo Matera, I mean, they're playing excellent rugby. Emiliano Buffelli as well. He's been he's been average for for Edinburgh since he came back into the URC, but he's he, he always turns it on for, for Argentina and has the ball on the string when he's kicking for goal. So um yeah, I feel three out of four would be a great result from here, I think.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. Um I think
0: Argentina just played a lot better than England expected um and England weren't particularly great um but as you say they just looked unsettled for a long time now um and they don't quite ask, you know they don't quite know who their team is. I think there was a lot of hope that the the Smith farrell two axis was gonna solve some of their problems, which it didn't i mean everyone was kind of expecting Kockner Singer and Tualangi to run freely through the Argentinians, which obviously means that they haven't been looking at any of the Argentinian defense this year, mm-hmm. which is just all about smashing people backwards at the game. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it was, it was actually interesting to the commentary because I'm pretty sure the commentary hadn't actually watched any New Zealand games. They're like, oh, this Thomas Gajo guy, he's quite exciting. I'm like, well, yes, it's literally like <laughs> the, the thing he's known for.
1: Yeah and play even once right it's ridiculous <laughs> sometimes that sort of commentary level um yeah. i think england have that like not the same thing and not to the same uh well, a bit more than south africa where it definitely feels like you know if come the world cup they're just gonna have something different i think for with speaking with like an english cap on it's so it must be so frustrating seeing eddie jones just his team not move forward at all and like it Like you guys say, just unsettled. It doesn't seem like they've been developing. So they're moving into a World Cup year, potentially not knowing who their best options are, not knowing exactly how they want to play. So it definitely feels like they are, yeah, just not pushing forward and something's off there, but also potentially like they're just holding things back. And maybe that's also just giving them too much credit.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think with us, at least, you know, we know who our players are. Um, and we know what we're trying to do. It's now just getting that execution right. Whereas England, you feel like they still don't know who their players are, um, and you feel like they're trying to create new systems and stuff. But it, is there enough time? And with the amount of players they keep moving around, are they going to be able to bed that down? Um, you know, I don't. I don't know if they. I don't think they're holding stuff back. I think they're still trying to figure their stuff out. Or well, they've got a, you know, this this fancy game plan they're trying to enact. But it's the question of, can they execute that in time? And I don't know if they can. Um, but you can see snippets. You have seen snippets of it. And occasionally it works, and it, it kind of looks quite cool. They've got, <laughs> they're kind of like doing a half-island, forwards, pop-party, intricate stuff. But, you know, it feels like a lot of moving parts very late in the game. You know, Ireland has spent like 10 years to build this, um, yeah. to try and build it in a year or two. It's tricky, um, especially when you don't have the same control at club level like they do in Ireland, um, yeah. with kind of strong grassroots levels they're all playing the same way. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think look, an Argentinian loss at home is a big problem for, mm-hmm. for, for for the English, even more so than it was for the All Blacks, I, I think. I think this is a bigger like red flag um, for the English than it was for the All Blacks.
1: I think it's also such a big win for Argentina just from a belief perspective as well because they're in the same group at the World Cup. So knowing that they can go to Twickenham and beat England, they'll be so confident to beat them in France wherever they're playing um, next year. So they'll take this result and I'm sure go full steam into their group calls, uh, their group match next year. So
0: Maybe that's going to be what we have to hang our season on is we're the only team this year not to lose to Argentina. (laughs) That's pretty impressive, yeah. I mean, all things considered, <laughs> yeah. did, did, I did not expect it to go that way. But um, yeah, it's, it's Argentina definitely on up, um, which I think is kind of, again, what we're expecting given um, uh, Checker. You know, we know he's a good coach. Um, we know he was going to bring some new stuff to their game. Um, and he
3: certainly is, is doing that. Um like they're playing with a lot of belief and playing yeah, really well. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we've kind of spoken very high level on a bunch
0: of stuff without actually going too deep into any of the games. Um but that's maybe maybe a good way to go about it. So I think the last thing that I just want to mention is people the last man of world rugby, Dan McKenzie, um made a pretty um Loud return to play uh, for the for the All Black 15. Um, he was just a, a class above anyone else on the pitch, um, and are yeah, really kind of showing that he's yeah, not not a lost player in the system and, and needs to be taken very seriously as a potential World Cup bol- bolter, maybe
3: mm, draft pick. <laughs> yeah, at the
0: very yeah. least.
2: Yeah, I love, I love having D-Mac in my side, so thanks for the intel, Ant. I didn't manage to catch that game, but it's good to know he's, he's back to his slippery best. <laughs> for me, the thing is, if you put him at fullback, like, if you put
1: him at fly-half, he's wasted, and to try and get him to control the game, you're not going to see his strengths. So, when he can play, you know, with a bit more freedom, and if he's if he's playing for the Chiefs at fullback, he's possibly a number one pick for me, but <laughs> if he's a fly-half option, then uh, he's much further
2: down. If he's, if he's playing fullback for the Chiefs, but he's a fly half in draft, I mean, that, that surely is a number one pick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then, I'll,
1: then I'll try a bit harder for a team name and hopefully get the first pick. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: that, that, yeah. Maybe I might even put some effort in at that point.
2: <laughs> Maybe one last shout out, if you guys will allow me. I know we, we're running over time here slightly, but um another sort of silver lining to the Springbok loss, I thought was Peter Steff de Toys' performance. Like Jesse Krill, we had question marks over him. Peter Steff, we had question marks over him, too. Just given, not that he's been playing badly, but we know where he can be. I mean, he's a former World Rugby Player of the Year. Uh, And I thought he was just so much more involved and and so much more on the ball, um, carrying, defending, hitting rucks, just all over the place. Uh, He was really, really good. Um, Yeah, so hopefully he he continues that that rise in form. He's been a little bit sort of, average for the last the last few games for the box. But they've that's the the faith seems to be paying off finally. Um which with a player of his class, you know, form is temporary but class is permanent. So let's hope he's he's uh back to his best very soon.
0: That's very interesting. I wouldn't have I thought that he had a relatively quiet game. Um I suppose that's why these debates are fun. Um yeah I, I thought think- he was like I was about to say, or I was my my kind of feeling during the game is that you know it would be nice to have him back at the level he was previously, where he was a lot more dominant. I mean, his work rate's still there, but he just doesn't seem to have the same impact that maybe he had previously. Um, but yeah, you know, I that,
2: suppose that it's, first that first assault by the Springboks um, in the first couple of minutes, I think he carried something like four or five times in the space of a minute and a half. Um, and the next the next time we visited their 22 was a similar thing. Between him and Eben, did, they did a lot of carrying in the early, in the first half in particular, which really got us on that front foot. But uh, as we said, we just didn't capitalise on it, and maybe he didn't carry on for 80 minutes. But uh, I'd like to see his player stats. Yeah.
0: I'll, I'll very, very happily. I think that's what I, what I was kind of basing some of my opinion on. Was, was looking at his player stats, which weren't overly impressive. It was like 10 tackles or something, which is you know mm. less than half of what you normally would think to get from him. But as I said, I'm, I mean, I'd, I'd very happily be corrected on on him. I'd, uh, yeah, obviously, just such a massive fan. Know the ceiling that he can have. Um, so it uh, would be would be lovely for him to get back up there
3: yeah
1: just quickly from that stats perspective, I think irvin was head and shoulders above anyone in the tackle department, and he made a hundred percent of his tackles um but he's also one of those players who I thought he was really really good, but he's been so like mm. that level this whole year like for me definitely like number one lock in the world, and he just keeps showing that
0: oh i mean there's there's absolutely
3: no question about that i don't think yeah, I don't think there there's
0: yeah
2: there isn't a question about that, but there also wasn't a it wasn't a South African forward player who I thought was terrible. It's really the back line that I felt like didn't fire. Um, you know, Kitzoff and Malherbe got penalised each a couple of times, but Marks was excellent. The,
0: the, the, the scrum penalties were a bit dodgy. I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah
2: I'm, not, I'm not holding them against them. Um, but Marks was excellent. Itzabeth was really good. Luit and, and Franco when he came on were good. Cio was good, I thought. Uh, Peter Steff really talked about him. Jasper Visa was also like, he was so physical and he was laying a lot of that platform early on. Um, and then our, our replacements were good too. I mean, we talked about Ox, we talked about Dion Ferry, we talked about Quaja. Um Yeah, I, I just don't think there's a problem in the forwards. I think it's when we get that front foot ball, what are we doing with it? Are we actually making it count? And the answer
3: at the moment is no. Yeah, no, exactly. That's that is the fundamental problems is that conversion. Because we I mean, even then we're getting the territory, you know. We're getting into the half of enough times. it's uh, so just that, that last couple of years getting up the line. Cool. But thing on that note, um of, of mixed feelings, um I think we we've we've got our catharsis,
0: our weekly catharsis out the way. <laughs> um yeah, we can probably probably call it there. Uh, unless there's anything final you guys would like to add.
1: Nothing from my side.
2: No. no, do we do we want to do predictions for next week or are we we're gonna hold off on that?
0: Yeah, we can. We can we can run through some quick predictions. Um, cool, Island CG. I mean yeah, that,
2: okay. that seems to be self explanatory one. Um I'm sure Ireland won't select full strength side for that, but they should still walk it.
0: Should be yeah. a fairly comfortable win for them. Italy, Australia.
1: I think that one's going to be a lot more close. But given Australia's improvement this weekend, but like we also highlighted, Italy doing well. I think that it will be a close one. But i back Australia to take it. Uh, yeah, I think it's
2: be, uh, uh, similarly. I'd I really love Italy to get a shock win, but it would be a shock win. Let's be
0: serious. No. I think Australia should take that relatively comfortably. England-Japan, Eddie against the old phone.
3: I mean,
1: yeah, Japan have uh, always fun to watch and did pretty well in that game against uh, New Zealand recently. But I think that England, even if they aren't firing on anywhere near all of their cylinders, should have too much for Japan.
0: I mean, we would have said that before they played New Zealand though, so. Who knows? But yeah, I think I think if anything, there should be an English backlash. I would. You know, this could get ugly um, if England do get it right, just because they they might just go bully mode, um, which the Japanese will not enjoy. Yeah. Uh, this is a spicy one. Wales, Argentina.
2: Hmm. I mean, I'm I'm loving Argentina at the moment. They're looking like such a settled, solid side, um, and really difficult to beat. It's really exciting to watch. Wales, on the other hand, I sort of feel like they're sliding backwards a bit, um, losing a few key players. Um, they can turn it on every now and again. I mean, we saw a nice try from Louis Sammut, for instance, this past weekend. But then he was also made to look a little bit silly by Aaron Smith. So, um, <laughs> like Wales, Wales can challenge anyone. I mean, they beat the box, but I mean, there were there were disclaimers about that as well. Um, I, I think Argentina
3: get a second away win on the on the road. I would be very happy to see that. Um, uh, second, lastly, well, I'll, I'll go to the other game first: Scotland, New Zealand.
0: We've kind of touched on that already. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Andrew, do you have any hope for your kilted warriors?
2: I mean, I've, I've watched, I've watched this fixture in Edinburgh, and and it always starts off with lots of emotion, and the bagpipes are playing, and but I think. I think Scotland will put up a good fight for maybe the first half, and then they'll fall away and New Zealand will run away with it. It's
3: well, it right. going any differently. Uh, I, I, I agree.
1: I think it will be close before there'll be a bit of a bit of a gap by the end.
0: I mean, it, Se- it, it, it has to start close because they started in the wall.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the question true. True.
0: is just how, how long it stays that way.
1: Yeah, give it at least half an hour. <laughs>
0: Okay, and then finally, what are your predictions for us versus France? Late game on Sunday?
1: Oh, that's tough. But on a Saturday, sorry. Late, I think it's 10 o'clock Saturday night, same time as this France-Australia one. Yeah,
0: no, I, was, I was full on asleep in that second half. I mean, <laughs>
1: God, Old man, old man. Um, I, I don't know how optimistic I'm feeling after this. Um, I, I, I think that we'll be able to get on top again physically and dominate. But whether that's enough or not, I think it's going to be a 2020 draw.
0: It's quite, a, it's quite wow. a big statement saying that you think that we're going to dominate, considering you know France are meant to be the the other biggest pack in the world. You know that's meant yeah. this is meant to be the whole that's, heavyweight battle. Um, I mean, granted they don't have their South African player, so that kind of takes away a lot of their beef. Um, yeah. But still,
3: yeah
1: yeah I mean, I think that's the part of the game where I feel confident in you know our ability, so yeah, uh <laughs> putting it right right on the fence and going for a draw. What do you guys
2: think? um i'm going I'm going to do the the head thing rather than the heart thing and go France by three.
0: i suppose if you if you aim to be disappointed, you know then it, you can never be like over enused by the result um. Yeah, I think, I think we might take it. I think we, we're always going to lose one of these two um, against Ireland and um, France. and We've lost one now, and I think we'll win the other one. Nice. I, I don't see us missing, you know, making the same crucial goalkeeping mistakes again, surely. So
2: who's going who's gonna to kick then? Marnie? How is it getting solved? Yeah, that's a real question.
0: Uh, Dionfray is actually a really good, really unrecognized yeah. goal kicker. That's what he's what, been practising in France all this time. Yeah, well, he's actually you? just gonna just line up, throw the balls over. It's, it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a niche rule that if you declare all your goal kickers inadequate, then your hooker is allowed to throw from the halfway line.
1: I'm I'm not convinced that Diomare was ever the best line after, unfortunately.
3: <laughs> but is it, is it what
0: if you had to have someone do something to save your life? Would you back Marnie? I mean, sorry, uh, Dion to throw a line out straight, or um, Willems to kick Definitely.
2: a goal, or Marnie Lobot to play on his debut against France?
0: Where's the kick from? That taking? <laughs> I mean, um, again, given Willems's kick. On <laughs> every weekend, does it matter? Uh,
3: this is a <laughs> I'm, I don't know what to
2: say. <laughs> a, ra- a, random, a random aside: Have you guys seen Caleb Clark football, NFL-style throw a rugby ball? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, like, I, I would, I would back him from the halfway line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's pretty crazy.
3: I think though that is a good place to to call it.
0: We um, can probably wrap it up there. Thanks so much for joining us uh, tonight, gentlemen, um, and we'll, yeah, chat next week. Cheers, Cool. Thanks.